Alrighty, lads and ladies, welcome back to yet another online webinar with Brojo, and we're continuing with what might be a series, we'll see, around developing a helpful perspective of women. So this is, to recap from the last one, this is the second in the series. To recap from the last one, uh, essentially we're looking at beliefs that men hold about women that are unhelpful and or inaccurate. And when I say unhelpful, they get in the way of dating, relationships, love, friendship, everything. And create a divide between men and women that nobody's benefiting from. So we covered um, four or five, maybe six beliefs last time. Kind of tried to smash through as many as possible. But there's still a number left on the list and a couple have been sent through to me by some of you guys. So we'll cover those today. We'll just quickly recap on the ones we covered last time. So first was the big one, which is all women are the same. This idea that women can be categorized into a group and that massive generalizations can be applied to each individual in that group. Basically, that's the main one. If you've got that one, um, you're going to struggle with women forever because you won't be able to see the nuance, you won't be able to see the individuality, uniqueness to each, and, um, to each woman. You won't be able to reassess. You'll judge each woman by previous woman that you've been with. And for those of you who have had a bad history with women, it means you're kind of really unfair on new women. And it means you could miss out on someone great just because you assume they're as bad as the ones you've had in the past when they're not. So we, we looked at all the confirmation bias and self-fulfilling prophecy and you know, how impossible it would be to say that all women are the same given all the different personality traits and masculine and feminine and everything in between. And said rather than saying all women are the same, start looking for how each individual measures up to your values. Are they honest? Are they courageous? Are they respectful? This person, this time, rather than all women all the time. The next belief we looked at is this idea that your self-worth depends on your ability as woman. You need a relationship. Your girl needs to be approved of by others. And you're not a real man. You're not a good man unless you're doing well with women. And we looked at just how ludicrous this is. You know, we saw that guys like Hitler and Stalin did particularly well with women, but that doesn't make them good. Socrates, his wife was known to be a bit of a bitch, but don't we love Socrates, you know? So you can, you know, uh, Elton John, Freddie Mercury are gay. There's lots of great men who didn't have great women in their lives um, or were single. And there's lots of awful men who had great women in their lives. So the woman a guy has in his life is not an accurate measure of that guy. And what we said is a better belief to take on board is the idea that I will remain single until I meet a woman who increases my value. You know, someone who makes me a better person and I make her a better person. And that there's no need to settle and that the, this woman does not need to impress anybody I know. Everybody else can think what they like of her as long as I think she's amazing according to my values. Next belief we looked at is the idea that you need to be rich or good looking or tall. All these materialistic standards that we think women have to judge guys. Um, which of course doesn't make sense when you just look out into the world on any given day. And look at couples and you'll see 
amazing woman with guys that you judge as being ugly or short or whatever. And you'll see so many exceptions to this that just can't be true. <clears throat> what you're seeing, what we realized when you're thinking a woman's judging you on your looks, etc., is it's because that's how you judge people. So you assume that others think the same as you. So if you think that other people are judgmental and materialistic, it probably means you've got to have a look at your own beliefs and how you judge people because odds are you are that way. You know, what we looked at, the key, key thing to attract and keep a woman is to be surprisingly authentic. It's not really about the way you look. It's not about how much money you have in the bank. I personally did particularly well with women and I was like almost a hundred grand in debt and could barely afford, I couldn't even go on dates that cost anything, you know, and that wasn't a barrier. I've never been a particularly good looking, tall, anything kind of guy. Um, but that hasn't gotten in the way. What got in the way were confidence issues, dishonesty, nice guy syndrome, and that's all stuff that you can deal with. That's all under your control. This idea that women are only interested in rich, good-looking guys, it's an excuse. It's an excuse to avoid having to work on yourself, having to go up and talk to women and get rejected and all those things. It's like your get-out-of-jail-free card. So rather than looking at that, start thinking, like, where do I find the women who aren't superficial? And how do I go and meet them? And also, how do I work on myself in such a way that I will be attractive to the right woman because of my personality? Because I've worked out my baggage issues. I've got a life that's worth living. And I'm building self-confidence. All these things that anybody can do. No matter who you are, no matter what you're dealing with. No matter what cards you've been dealt, you can work on all those things. Next one was a typical nice guy belief. Woman should just love me the way I am. Um, this idea that I'm a catch because I'm a good person and I don't have to do anything. I'm entitled to love from women just because I'm a nice guy. Um, where the truth behind this one, of course, is actually that if you're thinking this way, you're quite unhealthy psychologically. So you're not really a good guy. You're a sick guy. Um, it's not a permanent illness. It's something that can be worked on and fixed. But ultimately, a confident guy doesn't think women should just love me the way I am. What he thinks is the right woman will love me for who I am. And I need to work on that more than anything else. Remember, they're not here to fix you. Women aren't here to complete you, to reward you for your insecurities and your neediness. You need to get your shit sorted if you want a good woman. If you want a confident, loving, honest woman, you need to be a confident, loving, honest man. Simple as that. Until you're that, you can't expect anything of great value from women. You're going to get what's left over. The woman who like neediness, the woman who like to use nice guys, you're going to get those ones. And they're kind of awful. But they're not the only ones out there. The last one was the idea that it's really dangerous to show sexual interest. It will lead to hashtag me too, assault allegations and shit like that. And this isn't completely delusional. There is that risk, but the problem is most guys are just simply creepy. You know, I was talking to a, a really quite famous dating coach yesterday, <clears throat> Chris Luna from craft of charisma. And, and he observed something like he, he's a very, he's a sort of, very solid, non-creepy guy. He's always been quite a confident social extrovert. He's 
approached and expressed attraction to literally thousands of women and it's never gone particularly badly. I mean, he's had people say no, but he's never had someone complain about him, think of him as creepy, show any risk of getting him into trouble. He's never had that. And yet he was working with one guy who got that, who had that happen three times in a row. He went and um, approached a girl at a library and then the library staff members kicked him out because he was being weird. And what Chris was saying is like, this guy's got something deep on the inside that needs to be healed before he can start expressing attraction to women. There's something fundamentally off because he's constantly getting negative reactions and, and I've never had them. Um, never that bad. And that was similar for me. Like I, I had girls not like my approach. I had girls reject me, but never have I ever felt at risk of getting into trouble for it. And it was because I never really saw women in a negative light. When you see women as dangerous or as mean or as nasty or whatever, that's going to feed into how you interact with them and it will upset the balance. So one of the ways we looked at trying to, to work through this is don't get into gameplay and being indirect. Okay, that's where creepiness comes from, where your agenda is hidden. Just be very direct and respectful. Give them what you have to say. Let them say no. Don't force or, or push it. Don't complain. You know, if, if they play games, move on quickly. Don't get involved with it. Start practicing honesty um, and respect as powerfully as you can. So that was just a recap of what we covered last time. And the full webinar is on the Brojo website if you want to go check that out. Today we're going to get through the new ones. Seeing as I'm alone on the call, like a fucking loser, no, I'm just kidding, then I can maybe whip through all of these quite quickly. Um, so I'm going to start with one, one of the ones that came from one of our members, Tony, and he says, he's got this belief that women have to be emotionally attracted to you especially in early stages. Um, and taking the approach of getting to know her just results in her not seeing me as a potential romantic partner. Okay. So a lot of guys get this problem where as they get to know a girl, her romantic interest, if there was any, dies. And they start to see this problem, which is the more I reveal to a girl, the more I get to know her, the less likely it is that she'll want me. Um, and when I see this happen for guys consistently, and it used to happen for me a lot in my own life, it wasn't because getting to know someone kills attraction. It was the way I was getting to know them. And I've seen this so consistently that I'm sure it's the same for every guy who has this problem, the friend zone type problem. But by the time you actually show interest, they're like, no, nah, I don't see you that way. The issue is when you're getting to know them, you're playing it too safe. It's as simple as that. You're avoiding risks of them disliking you. You're avoiding risks of awkwardness and embarrassment and discomfort and rejection. And this moderates what you share and what you say. And eventually you get to the point where you're hiding a lot of the truth, but you tell yourself you're not. 
it typically looks like somebody trying to keep the conversation pleasant and light. Sometimes there's banter and humor as well, teasing and flirting a little bit, but mostly the problem is you're getting to know her like a friend. You're being very friendly. You're avoiding conflict and confrontation. You're hiding your true feelings for them, especially attraction. You're not challenging them to to match you and reciprocate like you'll do all the work you'll make it really easy for them you won't expect them to pull their weight in the relationship there's a whole bunch of things that guys do in this kind of safe getting to know you phase and what it really does is just kills attraction attraction is like a window it has a half-life if it's not acted upon it it kind of dies and not only that, and that's not actually the biggest problem. The biggest problem is when you do finally go to express attraction, it's like a shock. So I thought we were friends and now you suddenly like me. What have you always liked me and you've been lying to me? You know, that's kind of what goes through a girl's head. And it shows that you're cowardly. It shows that you're dishonest. It shows that she can't rely on you. It shows that you're scared of her. These are none of the things she wants in a man. Okay. A far more successful approach is actually one with more integrity which is when you're getting to know a girl really let her get to know you okay and push her not push that's not the right word encourage her with firm boundaries to match the depth of getting to know you see when you say you're getting to know her what you usually mean is you're playing it nice and easy and safe for a few months that's not getting to know you that's playing it safe Getting to know you is deep and dark and wonderful shit comes out. Stuff that you haven't told other people and the stuff that you feel about each other and, and the issues you have with each other and, and so on. All of that stuff needs to come out. So what I'd suggest is, you know, you, you can sort of look back on those times where you got to know a girl and it didn't work out. Ask, what was the delay between when I first felt attraction and first expressed it? directly how long was that period of time okay because if that is more than a few hours then you miss the opportunity it's as simple as that if you're like no i can't show that i'm interested in her right away i have to wait a few weeks yeah she's going to lose interest in that few weeks she's not going to develop any heat for you when she sees that you're just a friend ask yourself at what point did i disagree with her what point did i confront her about her behavior what point did we argue and if the answer is never that's a problem that means you're playing it too safe there's no way you agree on everything there's no chance so there had to be some point where you pretended right you know at what point were you frustrated with her not sharing or not reciprocating or not participating as much as you would like her to and how did you express this if the answer is I didn't express it, or at least I didn't express it clearly, then that's a problem. So when you say getting to know someone, first you have to understand it's got to have all those elements to it. You have to show how you feel about each other all the time, not just once, but repeatedly. You have to escalate things if you're feeling romantic. You can't just pretend to be friends, you know, and hope that she'll somehow, what, lead this? Push you? That can happen, but... If you want to be the man in the relationship, if you want to be the, the masculine force, the leader, you've got to go first. You've got to take all the risks. 
That's just the deal. If you don't want to take that deal, fine. Be passive and lonely. Okay. You have to show a woman that being in a relationship with you is better than being single. And this is not a manipulation. You show it by being a leader, by being honest and courageous in a way that's impressive. You don't have to sacrifice any of your integrity to do this. In fact, you've got to dial it up. Okay. You know, when you first meet someone, if you find them attractive, say, whoa, you are smoking hot. So glad I met you. Get it up there right away. You know, don't be like in your head. Oh my God, she's so hot. I can't wait to tell her in six months. You know, tell her straight away. But if in the next breath she says something stupid and say like, wow, couldn't agree with that any less. That is, man, do I disagree with that. And don't just be like, oh, she's nice and pretty, so I'll, I'll let that one slide. No. Treat her like, like you're already married, okay? Like there's nothing left to lose. You can get away with anything. You can be yourself totally. Because if nothing else, even if she doesn't like you, at least you can go home with your head held high and not wonder what if, you know? You can go, yep, she definitely didn't like the real me. There was no chance there. Case closed. I can sleep tonight. Rather than like, ah, maybe if I just said this earlier or whatever, which like eats your soul, you know, it's like acid. So the belief that a woman will lose interest in you as you get to know her, a correct belief is a woman will lose interest in you, in you if you play a superficial, fake, safe game with her for quite some time. That's real. But a woman will immediately show interest or disinterest in a very clear way if you're very boldly honest with her. Without being disrespectful, you let her respond, you no means no, and so on. But you make sure she's in no doubt how you feel about her, both positively and negatively. Right? She, she doesn't have to guess. Because if she has to guess, her insecurities will kick in, she'll play it safe. She'll go, like, well, he hasn't shown attraction, therefore he probably just wants to be friends. That's how women think especially insecure women. Only the very confident ones can see a guy who's hiding attraction, you know, and even when, and those kind of women aren't going to put up with that. They're like, well, he's hiding it from me. That's pathetic. And she won't choose a guy like that, you know? So I hope that helps Tony and every single other guy in the world who falls victim to this at some point. So moving on to the next belief. This one comes directly from a lot of the red pill stuff that I've looked at. The idea that women are manipulative and dishonest. It can go from a mild kind of like women are indirect and emotional and they don't say what they really think through to an outright misogynistic belief that women are kind of evil, that they play us and they, they use us and so on. Well, that's just not true. I don't know how that's simply I can say it. In the fact that, that this is specific to women, it's not true. People are manipulative and dishonest. That's true. That includes men. It includes children. It includes the elderly. I saw some study recently. Oh, God, I'll never find the citation, but it's probably by Dan Ariely and, and his team. I think they're, they're based out of Stanford. They do a lot of work on honesty. And there's something like, we, we lie like 50 plus times a day, the average person, right? 
But the, the idea that women are dishonest often comes from the idea that women apparently don't say what they mean. They're indirect. What I'd say is a more accurate belief is that feminine people, which can include men, uh, speak in an artistic way. They speak with metaphor and suggestion rather than like an engineer, the masculine way of speaking, which is just facts and cause and effect relationships. And so engineering type people, and a lot of guys who struggle with women are very strong and engineering type thinking. They're very sort of rational and reasoning and they don't have much in the way of, they're very suppressed emotionally, so they don't know emotional language. They find like they're being lied to, you know, when their girl says like, oh, I'm so bored. And what she really means is take me out for dinner. He's like, well, just say, take me out for dinner. Like, well, no, that's not how she talks. It's a language. It's a language that you do well to learn. Now, there's some of the onus on women too. They need to understand if they're talking to a guy who doesn't understand that language, then they need to translate for him. It's unfair to expect him to understand it. And some women are good with that. But it's also on you if you want to do well with women. Learn the language. Like, I'm living in Czech Republic. If I want to do well here, I need to learn how to speak Czech. That's on me. It's not them to like, okay, we better all learn to speak English just to help this poor bastard. It's like, no, I've got to learn to speak Czech. And learning to speak feminine. Is, it's, it's simpler than it sounds, which is you've got to stop listening to the fucking words and listen to the feeling. Okay. They're actually using the words as like, it's like a movie or a play or a, or a novel. It's a metaphor for how they feel. This chair is really annoying me with this noise. And when you understand that and stop being such an engineer and thinking, well, it's exactly the words they used. Nothing else needs to be considered. Those are the words I'm going to hold them to account to. I'm going to get my lawyer. You know, that's, that's it. You said this last time. And she's like, I don't remember what I fucking said. All I know is I felt angry. Because that's what she really was saying. I'm angry. Or I'm sad. Or I'm lonely. Or I'm bored. Or I'm creeped out. You know, they'll be like, they'll go up to approach you and she says, uh, actually, I've got a boyfriend. And then they find out later she doesn't have a boyfriend. Like, oh, she fucking lied to me. No, what she said is, I feel really awkward and creeped out and I need to defend myself. That's the interpretation. What she really said was, no, thank you. Okay. And that's all you need to hear. You don't need to know if she had a boyfriend or not. And you've got to understand that this goes both ways before you get all upset. Oh, she could have just said no, blah, 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 as if you would have taken that well. But are you honest when people approach you? You know? When, when the, the homeless guy asks you for some change, you're like, oh, sorry, I don't have any coins. Are you, is that the truth? Or are you just like, no, I don't want to pay you because you creep me out. Do you say something that brutally honest? Probably not. So we all do this. We all do this metaphorical language where we use something else to express a feeling. But the, the biggest problem is the idea that only women do this. That this is a female way of, of interacting. There's a documentary on Netflix at the moment. I think it's called The Big Hack or something. It, it's about... It's about the whole Facebook um, Cambridge thing <clears throat> where Facebook and this Cambridge, whatever they're called, were found to be like selling users and personal information and so on. And the big kind of conspiracy and 
how that might have affected elections and it's all that kind of stuff. But what's really interesting is that the two main females in the documentary are the ones with the most integrity. You know, um, Carol Cadwalder, Cadwalder, I don't know how to say her last name, <clears throat> is the journalist who uncovered it all. You know, and she was just ruthlessly seeking out the truth, even though it cost her, you know, there were death threats, she almost lost her job, so on. And Brittany Kaiser, which was the person working for Cambridge, who you can see her struggle throughout the documentary to slowly reveal the truth and admit, yeah, I was, I did some pretty dodgy things and I'm really ashamed of it. So she kind of starts dishonest and moves towards honesty. She's kind of like a young, naive person who got himself, got herself in too deep and then eventually revealed it. Now the two guys, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and Alexander Nix from Cambridge, they were so obviously false, almost definitely criminal. And so the idea that only women are manipulative and dishonest, I mean, there's one doco, you can see the reverse. The women are the kind of heroes and the guys are the villains, but that doesn't tell you anything about gender either. It's just those people in that, that documentary. What happens is everybody's manipulative and we use the tools that work best for us. Now, men are generally physically dominant. We're bigger. They're bigger skeletons. We're designed to be bigger. So physical domination, intimidation, threats, violence, that's the tools that work well for us, especially against women. You know, this is why, you know, domestic violence is heavily men versus women, not the other way around, though the other way around does, of course, happen. Women being smaller in general or less capable of physical domination must use another method, like deception, guilt tripping, the funny thing is when you think oh, women are more manipulative, ask yourself who expresses themselves emotionally more, men or women? Who feels emotion more? Well, the funny thing is we both feel emotion equally. This idea that guys don't feel shit, it's bullshit. Okay, ask any psychologist, total crap. But who, who expresses versus who suppresses, women are clearly more honest emotionally in general. You're more likely to know how a woman feels than how a guy feels, right? So who's more honest? Who's less manipulative? Now, the woman might use indirect language to express that feeling, but at least she's putting it out there. A guy can hate your guts and want to kill you, and you'd have no fucking idea, right? So rather than the belief women specifically are manipulative and dishonest, think more, look, there are manipulative and dishonest people out there and the best way to avoid them is to be very honest and non-manipulative myself so that I can find the others who are like me, both men and women. All right. Because I'm telling you personal experience, I've met plenty of women who are either not manipulative at all or not deliberately beyond sort of basic human or they're willing to improve in the presence of the right person. One of the things we, I think we talked about last webinar is that how some women are on the fence. They've got a dark side and then they've got like a, an integrity and how you are will determine which way they tip. So if you're a sneaky, manipulative person, you're going to bring out the worst in them. 
But if you're a strong, confident person with a strong frame of like either step up or fuck off, I only deal with integrity, they'll tip in your favor. They'll go, okay, this is a guy I can follow. I'm going to go that direction. I'm going to be braver than usual. And there's a lot of women in this category, in my opinion. We talked about the bell curve last time. We've got like sort of either evil or broken and fucked up women at the small end here. And we've got like perfectly confident, no issues whatsoever at the other end. But most are in the middle with a mixture of both. They can be great or they can be awful, depending on the circumstances, depending on what's going on for them. And you can be the deciding factor. If you're so honest and, and open and brave and vulnerable, where you're just like, look, I don't, I don't play games. No bullshit over here. They're either going to step up or fuck off. You're not going to have a manipulative person hang around. They, that's not an area that they can function well in. They need other people who are willing to slide down to the dark side with them. You know. So I hope that answers that. But understand, look, we're all a little bit dishonest. And more feminine people have a more artistic way or creative way of expressing themselves. And engineering people have a more direct and, well, boring but rational way. And it's amazing what you can learn. Like, I love learning my wife's language. It's really, it's, it's, I've been learning it longer than I'll be learning Czech because she's got her own one. But I love being able to interpret it now. I can see the matrix. She'll say something like, oh, I know what that really means. And she loves it when I catch her with that. You know, and she comes in and she's like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm like, somebody needs some love. Huh? And she like starts smiling because she knows that I like crack the code kind of thing. But she's helped me crack that code. I asked her like, when you say that, what do you really mean? And then she's taught me the language, you know. And I've come to realize that there's a way where her, her way of expressing, like when I talk, my words are quite accurately representing what's going on. It's kind of cold and, and rational, but her way is more interesting and in a way more accurate. Because I might say, I feel sad, but that doesn't actually tell you shit. Where she goes, oh my God, life sucks. Fuck this. I'm like, wow, that's, that's much more emotive description. Like, I really get how she feels now. She has no idea how I actually feel when I say I'm sad. But when I see her, like, talking about everything but sadness or anger, but everything about her expresses that emotion, I'm like, I really, I know that feeling. I've, I've felt that before. And I get it. I'm like, it's actually more accurate. Because I, I understand what she's saying better than if she just said the words or I read the words on a piece of paper. Something to think about. All right, what else we got? Man, I really am doing this on my own. Cheers. One of the ones that I've got here is that disagreement and negative emotions will kill your chances. So this is particularly applies to nice guys. They think that if she feels bad at any point, whatever their definition of bad is, that that's bad for me. I must keep her feeling happy and safe and relaxed and have all her problems solved all the time or otherwise she's going to like me less. Yeah. And this has got to be one of the most damaging and unhelpful beliefs you could possibly have about anyone. Because there's one thing I can guarantee you with a feminine person is that if you are one state of emotion all the time, they're going to get bored. 
people don't actually want to be happy all the time. They say they do, but it's not true. What they want is a variety. They want a rich, colorful life, not a monotone one. So if you're just trying to keep them happy and keep things pleasant and be like kind of superficial with your banter and all this and avoid upsetting them or confusing them or making them awkward or making them angry, if you're avoiding all that, they're going to get bored. And boredom and attraction do not go well together. Okay. What's really going to kill your chances with women is being too nice. And that doesn't mean you should now be a jerk. What it means is you need to stop being so fake, to stop being so scared. So, well, you can't stop yourself being scared, but stop being so controlled by your fear. Let her get upset. Let her dislike you. Let her disagree with her. Offend her if that's what's required, to be honest. Okay. Rosneet, how's it going, Brian? Good to see you. Excellent. It's good to have you on board because I've been talking to myself for quite some time now, which is all right. I guess I'm used to that. Um, welcome. So we've just been plowing through some of the uh, some of the beliefs so far, and we just got onto one talking about how a lot of guys believe that you shouldn't, well, you, that you should avoid making a woman feel upset feel any emotions, should avoid arguing with her and disagreeing with her. So what I was saying is essentially that being too nice and trying to keep a woman happy all the time, trying to make sure that she never gets upset or uncomfortable or disagreeable or bored or anything like that is actually going to bore her. Okay, people want to experience a range of emotions. They want to see who you really are. And emotional range is what connection is built on, right? The deepest connections don't come from feeling good all the time. That's a myth. It's never been true. It's something that guys can do. So there are a lot of guys who have friendships based on just good feelings all the time. All they do is joke and banter. They never have serious conversations or dark conversations they just have fun together all the time and they call that a friendship and they think well that's what i need to do with a girl for her to like me as well just be this kind of endless source of pleasurable entertainment but what guys don't realize is that those friendships they have are superficial that is not a deep connection you can't rely on that guy to have your back all you know is that you have a good time together and the most likely outcome in the end is that when shit gets tough, that person's going to bail on you because there's no real investment. There's no real attachment or connection there. What you really need to, to make the puzzle pieces fit together with someone is everything, both the dark and the light, has to be revealed. You need to have disagreements and offend each other and confuse each other as well as make each other laugh and help each other and support each other. It needs to be the whole range. There's only a section of that. Basically, a person can build a friendship on it, a kind of superficial, safe one, but it's a really fragile one because somebody who can provide any more of a connection is immediately a threat. You know, that's one thing I learned the long, hard way through personal experiences, how many girls I lost 
to a guy who was willing to be more honest. This happened to me like five times in a row with these different girls. And the funny thing is I wasn't resentful about it. I wanted to learn what was happening. I was like, how is, what is this? Like if anything, I want to sit these guys down and interview them. Like, how did you steal my girl? Like, I really want to know. I, I, I need to understand what's happening here because it keeps happening. And I finally got some feedback from one girl who said, look, like you're nice and all that, but it's, it's like a one trick pony. It's, it's boring. There's words to that effect. And I was like, oh, I've never thought that happiness could be boring. It never occurred to me that her laughing all the time and her always having things done for her and her always feeling good and me always agreeing with her could be a bad thing. But it was, it was absolute poison to the potential for attraction and long-term rates. All I am is basically validation for her. I'm like a fun, I'm like an entertaining movie she can watch whenever she feels like feeling happy but I'm not something that she can connect with. It's allowed to get heated. You're allowed to get angry at each other. You're allowed to, you know, piss her off and offend her, disagree with her chorus beliefs if you want. As long as it never gets personal. As long as you're not attacking her. You can disagree with her beliefs without attacking her as a person. You can always be loving and empathetic well, even strongly disagreeing or setting boundaries. And it's also a great way to qualify a woman in your life. If you show who you really are and they react badly to that, get the fuck out of there. Okay, if you're like, by the way, you know, I have this trauma from my childhood and she's like, I don't want to hear about that. Get the fuck away from that woman. Do not see her anymore. That is a woman who is bad for you. Okay. At the same time, what some guys struggle with is because they never share this stuff. When they finally do, it just comes pouring out and they end up becoming like, it's like therapy instead of a friendship or a relationship, you know? And suddenly all they do is just talk about their darkness. And that might happen the first couple of times. It's, I think, I don't know, it's like purging the wound. It just kind of has to happen sometimes. But you've got to be a mixture of, of all of what you are has to come out. You know, you can be playful in the morning and sad in the afternoon and just let it all come out in a real way and make sure she reciprocates. The one way to avoid get this turning into some sort of therapeutic relationship where she's the one who helps you with your problems and just listens to you is that when you've finished pouring out your shit, you say, now it's your turn. You know, you make sure she shares equal to you. Okay. And you won't tolerate any less than that. This has to be balanced. She can help you through your issues as long as you can help her through hers as well. Rather than this extreme of like all nice guy or all fucking messed up psychologically, the mix, the full mix of who you are and make sure she's the full mix of who she is as well. And really don't settle for any less than that. Because what I've noticed personally is that relationships move up the levels through confrontation. That's how they get deeper. So the way to get to the next level with your girl is probably going to be a confrontation. A confrontation doesn't mean arguing with each other. It just means sharing something you're very emotionally uncomfortable with sharing. Usually a feeling about them too. You know, it might be talking about jealousy issues. It might be confronting them about a piece of behavior that you find disrespectful or annoying. 
It might be sharing some anxieties you have about your future together. It might be just sharing something about your past that you think will put her off you. That kind of thing. And then asking her to do the same, to give back what you've given to her. That's how connections formed us. The, the light, happy stuff is the kind of reward for getting through the dark stuff. Once you shared the dark stuff, it's easy to have a good time together because there's no like secrets like hanging over your head. But it's not the happy stuff that you connect on. Not as much as the dark stuff. You can have a good time traveling together or whatever. But that'll be nothing compared to the deep conversation you had till three in the morning about your childhood. That's where the connection happens. So don't play it safe with women. Let them judge you and hate you and ridicule you if that's what's required to find the right ones and to get rid of the wrong ones. Okay, because being nice all the time is fucking boring. Which is painful to hear as a nice guy because <laughs> when, when that was me, I'm like, that's all I got. Like, what the fuck? My one card that I can play doesn't work. Rosny, it's good to have you on the call, man. Just if you want to jump in, questions, thoughts, or anything, just raise your hand or unmute yourself and jump in any time, yeah? Thanks, Dan. I didn't realize that I was the only one on the call. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm right now outside the dance studio, and uh, I would have to go in next 12 minutes. Okay. <laughs> Although, as much as I want to uh, carry on here. No worries, mate. That's what the recording's for anyway, but it's all good. At least I'm not doing this completely by myself the whole time, which is nice. <laughs> but yeah, jump right, in. Really, you can jump in. You don't have other people to see. Yeah. Thank you, bro. Any thoughts or questions that you want to throw in while you're here? Yeah, uh, one thing uh, that you mentioned that uh, not to, you know, you can confront her without personally attack, you know, like confront mm. her beliefs without personally attacking her. I, how's that possible? I mean, that is her, right? If I don't like something about that person and I confront her. Ah, what it is, is it's, it's kind of a language technique which is, you imagine you're shooting a gun. You gotta ask yourself, where is the bullet gonna hit? And is the bullet gonna hit her or is it gonna hit the belief? And the way you talk will be different depending where that bullet's aimed. So if I'm aiming at her, I'll say something like, you're wrong. That's shooting her. Whereas if I say, I really don't believe that, I'm shooting the belief. It's a slight shift in language where it's still confrontational and brutally truthful, but she as a person is never attacked. It's actually me and her looking at this third thing, her belief, her behavior, and really like separating it out. So like, for example, I'm, I'm an atheist technically, and my girlfriend is Roman Catholic. Okay. I can talk about how I don't believe in God or how I, I, have, I struggle with the morality of the Catholic Church and the way they've you know, played with children and all that stuff. I can talk about all of that and none of that is actually anything to do with Lucy. Okay. Now, that, those conversations can still get pretty heated, but I'm never like, you're wrong or you're a bad person. 
or you're stupid. It's never like that. I'm like, I don't believe this because. Right? There's also no pressure on her to change. Quite often I'll say things, look, I'll love you no matter what you believe. You can go to church every day if you want. It won't change how I feel about you. It's just I'm not going to come with you. Right? It's those kinds of things. So it's, it's, a, it's an art form that you need to master. But where you watch people who argue poorly, you'll see how personal it is. They'll say, something, only a fucking idiot would believe that. So, well, way to just alienate your debating partner. Like, like they're going to fucking listen to you now, right? Whereas if you're like, I struggle to understand how someone could believe that. That's a little bit different. Or help me understand how you believe that. Because I don't. Does this make sense? Yeah, but that that also assumes, uh, you know, the other person to be that psychologically in, evolved to not take that personally. Okay. Right? Even if I say that, most people do take it personally. Which is, yeah, okay, so this is the interesting thing. At no point will you have control over whether or not they take it personally. And that's something you have to let go of. You can control whether or not you're being personal, whether you're attacking them. You can't control how they take it. There are people, this is one of the amazing things in my life. I, I don't like tomatoes. I fucking hate them. And there are people who are offended by that and take it personally, which blows my mind. Like I'll go to someone's house and they'll be like, oh, you've got these things to eat or whatever. And they're like, well, some salad. I'm like, nah, I'm not a fan of tomato. Like, what? Don't you like my salad? I'm like, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm born with a taste bud that just reacts to tomato that's got fucking nothing to do with you. There's no way I can say this any clearer. Like, I don't like tomatoes. You're fine. I love you. Tomatoes, no. Right? There are people who still will take it personally for something as silly as what I prefer to eat. That I can't control. What I can do is give them the best possible opportunity to argue at a higher level with me. That's all I can do. I can challenge them on being personal towards me. So if they go, you're a fucking idiot, I can say, wait, wait, wait. Are you going to attack me personally or do you just disagree with my belief? Be clear about which one is which. Because if you attack me personally, that hurts our relationship. If you disagree with my belief, that's fine. Which one do you mean? Do you hate me or the belief? And I can be very strong and kind of like, these are the rules we're going to play by here. And then I can also explain it. Like if I really, if someone I care about takes something personally, you can say, look, that wasn't intended at you personally. I'm trying to tell you how I feel about something. It doesn't actually affect how I feel about you. Tell me, why did you take it personally? Was it the way I said it? You can kind of call out like, look, you've made a mistake, but maybe it's on me. Maybe I didn't express myself clearly enough. Let's talk this through. But in the end, you still can't control them. And it brings up the issue, like, if someone's like this all the time, you have to ask yourself, is this the person I'm supposed to be with at this time? If no matter how clearly I try to express myself, they just make it about them and they overreact and they turn this into a big drama every time, is this the time for us to be together? It's a difficult question because it might actually be you. It might be the way you talk. But odds are, if they're taking it personally, that's also them. 
a very confident person won't take it personally no matter how you talk. So obviously they've got insecurities too. Usually you'll find that you're matched. Your inability to express yourself will match their inability to not take it personally, you know? And you guys can work on it together. The key will be, do they want to work on it? If the answer is no and you, you do want to work on it, you're not a good match for each other. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it does make sense. Yeah. One of the things is that a lot of people in conversations, they talk around the problem, the resistance, instead of talking directly to it. So they'll be in an argument with someone and the person will be getting defensive, taking it personally, and they won't talk about the defensiveness. They'll try to like work around, keep on with the argument. One of the things I always found that's really important for arguing with someone is as soon as it gets emotional and agitated, you've got to put aside the main argument and talk about the reaction. So you've got to give up whatever you're arguing for, give up trying to win that thing. And go, look, I can see you're upset. Tell me what's upset you. Why are you upset right now? And talk about the upset, not the argument. The argument, you know, there's nothing that can't be debated rationally. So when it's no longer rational, you put it aside for later. You go, we'll come back to this. But first we need to figure out why did that set you off so much? I thought I was being nice, but you've, you've clearly taken it in a way that you seem offended or upset and I want to know what I've done here. What's, what's going on? And that has to be solved before the thing can be debated. You know, and I'll quite often do that. Like if someone's trying to come back to the thing, I'm like, look, we will get back to the thing. I promise. But we can't go there until we're both cool headed. And that's not happening right at the moment. We need to figure out what's going on, why this has gotten personal or, or emotional. Cause something else is, it's like imagining something else has come into the room with us here. It's interfering. Somebody's been triggered, you know? I always think about it like somebody, they've got like a, a, a lip bonfire. They've got, they've got like a pile of wood in their head that's covered in gasoline and you're flicking matches at them. And every now and then you hit the pile and it goes, Woof. but the pile was there before you arrived. It's always been there. It's their thing that they carry around with them. If there was a block of ice, you could flick matches at them all day long and nothing would happen. But no, they're ready to go. And that's not your problem. You didn't create that. So when someone takes something I do personally, I understand that's actually got nothing to do with me. I just flicked the match. They were prepared to take it personally. They were waiting to. They've maybe been carrying something since childhood that's so easy to just set off. Something that other people don't have. It's amazing how many, <laughs> I'll tell you this one story, this, it relates to a girl, like a very good friend of mine, and I needed to confront her about something. It was going to be a bit awkward and uncomfortable. I remember I said, she walked in the room, I just said, look, can you sit down for a sec? I, I was about halfway through saying, I need to talk to you about something, and she was already crying. I was like, wow, this is going to be hard, you know, like, all she knows is that maybe I'm going to confront her and she's already like lost her mind sort of thing. And that's, that's got nothing to do with me. I haven't even said what I'm going to say yet. I haven't said anything yet. She's just that afraid of confrontation, rejection, whatever it is. She's already destroyed. 
And there's other people where I've said things like brutal truths to some of my clients and stuff. I really like on, I've called people victims or whatever, you know, I've called out like the darkest thing and they've been like, you know what? That's fair enough. Yeah. They just take it. So that's, it's, it's in the person, how they react, but I'm also always working on myself. What's a better way to say it, a more accurate way, a more compassionate way, but without losing the truth, you know, give them the best possible chance to take it. Alrighty. Let's move on to the next one, uh, which is the belief that women do not want to see weakness or negativity. That you have to be the strong, positive, cool force at all times. If you show that you're vulnerable or that you don't know anything or that you're a bit weak in some area, that they'll instantly lose interest in you, that you'll look worse in their eyes. It's, it's such a painful, like, this is the belief, I think, one of my nice guy beliefs that have just ruined my dating experience in my 20s because I was always just trying too hard, always trying to be positive, always trying to look like nothing affected me, that I didn't have any problems, that I was all good all the time. And it was such a long time before some woman finally giving me feedback saying, like, they know it's fake and it sets off their warning alarm. Because what I didn't realize is that the teenage girls in my high school who were mean and judgmental and rejected people for being weak weren't representative of good women. They were insecure little teenage girls. They're not something I should be making judgments upon. And yet here I was thinking like the way those popular girls treated those with weakness is the way all women see men. And unfortunately it was kind of the opposite as true as they want me to be real. They want me to have flaws and vulnerabilities as well as strengths. One, one girl put it really well for me, which was, I was too perfect. Which made her feel insecure, because now she looks like a fucking psycho, just because she has normal problems. But compared to me, this flawless guy who never struggles with anything, she looks like she's a mess. She didn't want to be the mess. She didn't want to be the weak one and me be the rock. What she wanted is that we take turns. You know, there are times where I need my wife, you know, I'm a fucking mess. I need someone to talk me through it. I need someone to rein me in a bit. Someone to point out that things aren't so bad. And she loves those moments. She loves being the strong one. It was interesting. She went through some depression and one of the best things for her depression is when she had one of my problems to solve. To get out of her own head for like a holiday and get into somebody else's world instead of just focused on her own, on her own darkness, you know. And I came to realize like I can just let her, like let her in a bit, and that's actually really rewarding for her, just like it is for me when I help her. I'm giving her that same feeling. Now, there is some truth to the idea that if you are not a responsible man. If you're not responsible for your weaknesses and your flaws, if you're not doing anything about them, or at least sort of getting out of the victim mindset, you're not blaming anybody else. You know, you're kind of like, this is my shit. I need to deal with it. That's fine. But when you're like, poor me, help me, save me. I need, you know, I need somebody else. It's, it's not my fault, blah, blah, blah. That kind of thing does put them off. It's like, how can a guy who's that irresponsible 
be a good husband, father, protector. He doesn't need to be perfect, but he does need to be a bit of a warrior. He needs to go fight those imperfections. At least I can trust that I'll know what they are. They're not going to come back and bite me later on, so on. What I found is there's one area where you do need to be strong, and that is respect. You need to be strong about your boundaries. It, when I say you need to be, it doesn't mean that you'll never find a woman if you aren't, but you're not going to find good ones. A woman who likes you because you don't respect your boundaries is a very unsafe woman to be with. She's the woman that's going to take you for half of what you're worth and take the kids away. And you know, that's, that's who you're going to end up with there. Someone who likes you for not having boundaries. You don't have to be articulate. You don't have to be flawless. You don't have to be emotionally stable all the time, but you do have to be able to go stop. I don't approve of that behavior. No more. I won't tolerate that. You need to be able to do it with her and for her. Right? If somebody else crosses the line, if somebody's interfering with your relationship, she needs to see you step up and go, hey, enough. Back off. If she can see you do that, you can have any other weakness. It doesn't matter, really. She knows that you're going to step up when it's needed. You can be as fucked up as you want. This is why, this is why rock stars do so well with women. They're fucking a mess, most of them. They're psychological disasters. But they also usually got that like right amount of Arrogance. You can't fuck with them. They'll go on three-day benders, and <laughs> you know I'm not saying be like that, but they can be weak in all these other areas. They can be the tortured artist, but women will love them as long as they're also the kind of guy where you know, look, he's not going to put up with shit. Okay, so you can you can be weak as long as it's not dangerous to her. Okay, as long as your weakness isn't a threat to her, it's not going to end up with you hurting her or allowing her to be hurt. You know, you're allowed to be scared as long as you're also brave. You can be anxious as long as you're also honest. You know, you can be confused as long as you're also humble and willing to get information. Right? And if you're flawless, it's boring. It's unrelatable. It's intimidating. It's clearly fake. Right. One of the things I've found, especially when it comes to deeper long-term relationships, the best gift you can give to a woman is that she's really the only one who has the privilege to see how vulnerable you really are. You know, I like doing that with my, with my girl. Like if I run a workshop or something, she's the one who knows how nervous I was before the workshop and how exhausted I was afterwards and so on. She gets like the privilege of seeing me after the show. You know, she really loves that. Um, so it's like a gift. But I had to learn the hard way that that's also a risk I need to take with a woman. I need to show her that stuff and see how she reacts. I show her my weakness and she's judgmental or cruel or controlling. It's a bad sign. Yeah. What I want is a woman who's going to be compassionate but also encouraging. She's going to be like, yep, that sucks, but what are you going to do about it? She like calls the best out of me, asks me to step up and, and deal with it. You know, that's, that's the kind of the woman that's going to make me a better man. 
I don't have to be fake. I have to know that like going to her, I'll end up becoming a better person and vice versa. She can expect that from me as well. Not that I'll control her and fix her, but that I'll encourage her to, to bring out her best game. So let them see your weaknesses, really. But your strengths as well. Okay? It's not all or nothing. It's the mixture. All right. How much time have we got? We'll do a couple more. All right. I got on you, Dan. All right, man. Thanks, Thanks for popping Bye. in. See ya. Bye. All right. I think we're going to do two more. And that might even wrap up the series. But next one I want to talk about is a sexual shame issue that a lot of guys have is thinking that women don't watch, don't want sex as much as men do. Um, it's just straight up wrong. It's, it's basically the opposite. 90% of the emails that come into my inbox are from unsatisfied women where the guy is not as sexual as they want him to be, especially in longer term relationships. It's actually rare for me to hear a man to hear a man complain that a woman isn't sexual enough for them. And when they do, and I look into it, it's actually his problem, not hers. He's not initiating. Uh, he's doing something that turns her off and so on. But there's a reason it appears that women don't want sex as much as me. And one is media. The TV programs that we grew up with often showed the guy begging for sex. If you look at a sitcom like Everybody Loves Raymond, it was always like the wife has to roll her eyes and give up sex to the like guys begging for it all the time. Gives you the impression that that's how women are. It's so false, so inaccurate. One thing to understand though, that sex is riskier for women than it is for men. Okay. Sex is something like a guy, the worst case scenario for a guy when he has sex is that he's going to get a high five from his friends. Like really he gets rewarded for sex no matter what. You know, even if he goes home with the beast from the bar, all his friends will at least be like, ah, you fucking, you know, whatever. But a woman being caught sleeping with the wrong guy that can ruin her entire social circle. Not to mention the risk of, STD and AIDS, guys are notoriously um, irresponsible with contraception. It's usually on the woman. Uh, it's amazing how many guys will spread diseases and put women at risk um, just to get laid because guys have that kind of desperation around sex that causes them to make unsafe choices. They don't want to kill the mood by busting out a condom sort of thing. A guy can't get pregnant. He can get a girl pregnant, but he can bail on that if he wants woman can't unless she gets you know procedure done so every time a woman has sex there's just there's all these social and physical risks to her that weigh on her mind and it, it causes her to be careful there is unfortunately as well the most promiscuous of men are usually the ones who also treat women the worst psychopaths for example are extremely promiscuous they're sleeping with most more women than anybody else and they're creating memories for these women that these traumas you know, I'm working with a female client at the moment and the first three guys she slept with treated her awfully. So now she's scared of sex, right? It's not that she doesn't want it. As far as I know, she masturbates every day, but she's scared of men. She's scared of what they'll do because she got the worst ones first. And that's really common for women. 
is the the suave seducting seducting seduction guys got in first and they're the ones who are the most misogynistic and the least empathetic and compassionate and kind of gave them a really bad taste in their mouth around sex pun not intended it's also you understand most guys suck in bed they do it's very rare for a for a woman to orgasm with a guy when she's sleeping with him for the first few times. So one night stands are very unlikely to be satisfying for a woman. Um, so women aren't expecting much of a performance. It makes them hesitant around new guys. You know, they, they're not expecting much. Um, the key to understand, I think the best way I've ever had described, I was reading the book, um, Don't Stand Too Close to a Naked Man by Tim Allen, Tim the Tall Man Taylor, you know. He's got his autobiography. And what he said is that women, uh, men are like, what was it? Men are like Ferraris. No. Was it Ferraris? They just go to zero to a hundred in like four seconds or whatever. Whereas women like diesels. They need to warm up before they can perform highly. Something like that. I've really misquoted that. Um, but a, a guy like you show him, an avocado cut in half and he's ready to go. Woman, there's a build-up required. So often the reason a woman seems cold to you sexually or whatever is because you've tried to go from zero to 100, whereas she needed foreplay. She needed sexual tension and excitement and emotional range to warm up. Now, she's more sexual than you'll ever be. You've got to understand that. Most women that you meet have a capacity for sex that you'll never match. They could do it more times in a day than you're capable of and they can want it more than you're ever going to want it. But they need to warm up. Okay. And it starts before you even get into the bedroom. It starts when you're talking to each other over dinner, you start flirting. You know, uh, one of my favorites is um, while you're talking, you send them dirty text messages and pretend you're not doing it. You know, when she reads them, you just, you know, you make it like you're not doing that at all while you have a normal conversation touching and escalating, teasing, you know, all this stuff needs to happen before you can even hope for her to feel as horny as you do. But once she does, good luck keeping up. If you talk to a woman or find out about their true fantasies, I think there's a book called My Secret Garden, which is worth a read. It will shock you. You think you've got a sick mind. You know, women are capable of fantasies and make you go, wow, I thought she was like a nice girl. Holy shit. They want sex more than you do in general, probably. They, they have a clitoris. We don't have anything that's solely designed for sexual pleasure, right? All of our stuff is practical. You gotta understand they need to feel safe before that can be unleashed. They need to know there's no risk of rape. There's no risk of their reputation being destroyed. There's no risk of heartbreak emotionally. So you need to make sure that sex with you is something that's safe, comfortable, enjoyable. There's no pressure. You don't have a reputation to go tell all your friends about it and spread the word. She, can, she knows it's going to be secret, that you're open at all times, it's playful and fun, that you never cross any lines or get desperate and serious about it and pressure them. You know, a woman's nastiest self will come out if she knows that nobody's going to hear about it and that you're not going to judge her and she can do anything she wants and she's free. You know, you'll see stuff that you thought only happened in porn, right? And you'll, you'll struggle to keep up, for real. You know, but 
there are certain things that need to be in play. She needs to be safe. Okay, so keep that in mind. If you're having vanilla sexual experiences with women, odds are it's because they feel unsafe and they're playing it safe. They're trying to be careful, trying to avoid judgments. They're probably, it's one of the reasons women struggle to orgasm is anxiety. They're worried about what's happening and how they're being thought of and so on. If you're shameless and fun and playful and not attached to outcomes, they can relax. And once they relax, they release the beast. <laughs> anyway, I'll do one more for today because I'm sick of talking to myself. And I think this is really the last one and we'll, we'll end the series here. Hypergamy. Hypergamy is, is a term that describes the way women will kind of trade up. This idea that everybody's kind of always on the lookout for a better deal when it comes to partners. It's based on studies in the animal kingdom outside of humans. And then communities of philosophies like Red Pill apply it to humans despite there being a lack of evidence in human populations of this happening. This idea that basically... Your woman's just holding on to you until she can get a better man. And that you're always threatened. This is how guys get really jealous and envious. That they're just waiting for someone to steal their girl. What I'd say is that not that this doesn't happen, but that it happens only for a certain reason. And the reason is you're fake. Okay. Now, if you're fake, if you do not have a real connection with someone that's all based on good times or you providing a service of some kind or whatever, then there's really nothing keeping them there. There's really nothing that they're invested in. There's nothing deeper that you can offer. Oh, God. Because the science on this is fucking weak. Okay. It's mostly based on low, lower mammal species. And yet, one of the things that those mammals can't do is have deep emotional connections the way we can. Okay. And that is a game changer. There are women who have stayed loyal to a partner who's died because of emotional connection. There are women who will go to hospital to be with their broken, broke partner for years. He can't even perform sexually. He's got no money left, whatever. And they're loyal to the death because of emotional connection. And yet there are women who will also cheat on a rich and famous celebrity. Okay. Because there's no emotional connection. It's not real. A lot of guys refer to divorce statistics when they argue for hypergamy. They say, you know, 90% of divorces are initiated by women. But they don't look much deeper into it. Why did they initiate it? Okay. Is it because they found a guy who was richer? Actually, no. We've got some studies and I can provide some links in the write-up for this. But for a start, men cheat way more than women do. Okay, simple as that. And, and for cheating being the reason that, initiates, that a divorce was initiated is very high. The most likely reason a woman divorces her husband is because he cheated on her. Okay, you can't call that hypergamy. All right, if anything, it's the guy being hypergamous. And there's the, the reasons, the top 10 reasons why people get divorced. I'll have a look at them here, actually. And bring them up. I'll, I'll put the link in uh, citation into the notes here. But uh, just just have a listen to these. 
Uh, top 11, I'll go straight through to one. I want to go through them all. Number one, lack of commitment. So you can be married without feeling committed. And this is the guy who's distant emotionally, physically, or otherwise. You know, that isn't hypergamy. She isn't finding someone who's richer. She's looking for someone who's more committed. Okay, that isn't a trade-up. It's about quality, not quantity. Next, number two is infidelity or extramarital affairs. So cheating. Okay. Number three, too much conflict and arguing. Number four, getting married too young. Number five, financial problems. Okay. But what's interesting is financial problems doesn't mean she's looking for a richer guy. It generally means you guys didn't sort out your finances properly. You don't have a good way of talking about it. It becomes a, a source of tension in the relationship that erodes it. So you want to prevent cheating and breakups. You want to prevent a woman trading you in for a better deal. Be honest. Be sexual with her. Manage your resources responsibly. Polarize early. Make sure before you get married or too deeply committed that all the dark shit is let out of the closet. You've got all your skeletons out. You know what's up. Nothing's going to surprise you in the future. Go all in with your commitment. If you're going to commit to a girl, really commit to her. Be there with her. Right? Bring her into your life. Don't be half in, half out, scrolling on your phone when you're lying in bed together. You know? Learn how to have healthy confrontations. Make sure that when you have arguments, it makes the relationship better, not worse. And make sure the values they have are proven and tested before you make a commitment. Okay. So rather than women are hypergamous, think I need to avoid materialistic and superficial women, a very small portion of the population. And I do this by focusing on my hobbies, pursuits, sports, and making sure I meet women at the right place who are doing good things with their lives. And then when I get into a relationship with them, I'm honest. I put effort into initiating sex. I manage resources. We talk about everything openly and honestly. Then hypergamy is not going to be a problem. I tell you what, I fucking promise you it won't be if you can stick to that. All right. And that wraps it up for today. Thank you guys for listening to the recording. If you are, I hope this helped you with your relationships with women. We've got two of these now. If you've been struggling with women long term, it seems like no matter what you do, it doesn't work. It's a belief problem. I promise you. So have a listen to these. Which of these beliefs do you hold? How are they interfering with your relationships? What would an improved behavior and then belief system be for you? And I'll see you guys next time. Cheers.